to alarm you, but I know this is going to be a good interview because when I was on my way here, I saw a dog on a skateboard. That's awesome. It was great. It was fantastic. See, that's the only thing with Benton. It's a lot of humans. There's not many animals. So is that where everything, where you're working? I'm sorry, I, I should have known, but I know, you're good. Yeah, yeah. it's Benton, so, right? Yeah, so it's Benton right now. It's in between um, both Paducah and Murray. It's like a good middle ground for me because all of my family's in Paducah and then but also love being here at Murray with mm-hmm. everything. So Benton's like a good good middle spot for me. I'm 20 minutes away from here and 20 minutes away from P-Town. So. Okay. Well, now, in, did, is your studio like, do they have like a downtown area? Is that where your studio is? So like if you go into Benton, so I'm in like what they call the heart of Benton, which is like the true kind of downtown city part. So it's a lot of the older buildings um, from like the 1950s, 1960s, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I ended up renting because I loved it and it had a lot of character to it and I was like this would make a great studio space and so just kind of went from there so I'm part of that little court square right there which is really cool that's so nice. I yeah. feel like that's a that's always such a nice like if you get to open a business I mm-hmm. feel like it's 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 obviously already nice because yeah. you're you know, doing that, but I feel like it's also nice if you get to open it in like a little a cute little like yeah square and too surprisingly, it, I did not imagine it to be such a high traffic area, like mm-hmm. the way it is. Like, And that's what was so funny was whenever I was first renovating the space, people were coming, driving by, and they were stopping and just glaring. They were like, what are they doing in that building? Because that building's not been touched for like 20 years, just about. Mm-hmm. And then they see all of these weirdos, <laughs> these artists in there painting and redoing the electric and installing floors. And they're like, what's going on? And then when I, the moment that we put the logo up on the window, that was like the game changer. I immediately yeah. started getting phone calls oh, that's awesome. and people were like, what are you? What's, what's the dance collective? What is this? And I was like, well, we're starting out as, as a dance education program, but the goal in the next few years is to become a full fledged pre-professional dance company. And when I said that it was like, fire just lit and just took off and I think it was exciting because Benton has never really had artists in the area they have a lot of like the general businesses like florists and bankers and stuff like that but they've never had artists come into the domain and I think that got them excited because um, Marshall County especially that's where Benton is it's a very sports heavy kind of place a lot of football a lot of soccer and baseball and cheerleading and all that, but they've never really had access to dance mm-hmm. before or theater or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that just got everybody really excited and yeah, made I'm, me excited too, that I was like, Hey, we've got support and we've not even opened our doors yet. So it's really great. I mean, that's so, I mean, that's, that's kind of a nice setup too, is because yeah. like, I mean, like you said, probably right after you open that place up. I mean, people are generally like, I know I am with like, even with Owensboro, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. like we have like kind of the same like brick and mortar kind of downtown situation on the river. And I would always notice like, Oh, this, this thing, this one particular building or, um, kind of space has been unoccupied for the past 10, 11 years. And now something's moving into it. So I'm always like really like, even I don't live there. I'm still like, Oh, what moved in there? Mm -hmm. And like, I'm always like, well, we got a new bar or we got a new restaurant downtown or a dance studio. Yeah. Um, so I bet that was like really exciting for everyone in the area. Not, you know, um, but so when did you conceive of like, you were, you were like, I want to open up a dance studio. Um, well, to be completely honest, I never thought I'd open a dance studio. Really? Um, 
And it was funny because when I had made the decision and started finally telling people, they were like, oh, we always knew that you'd open some sort of studio. I'm like, well, this is news to me. Thanks for telling me after the fact. Um, But yeah, uh, COVID was honestly the game changer for me Mm -hmm. um, because originally I had done, I was finishing up my master's degree. So I had just done my thesis performance here at the Robert E. Johnson Theater. And the next day we went into lockdown. Um, Within that two weeks, all of my auditions in Orlando got canceled. My New York auditions got canceled. Um, Technically, at that point, Brent and David, um, which I know you've already had David on the show, Mm -hmm. they were kind of already in the talks of getting me on board as faculty here to help with the dance stuff. Um, When COVID hit and they had to cut the budget, it just changed everything. So work-wise, I was kind of freelancing and floating around best I could and the arts just got hit hard yeah. every artist that I know because um, I have many friends that are still living in New York still working and they were like we're we're skating by at this yeah. point we're, we're making it best we can because um, we were going back and forth being like you know if you have jobs come up let me know if, if you have auditions come up let me know if I can zoom if I can do video you know we just we were constantly trying to find something and I remember during that time, especially, I would just drive a lot. I needed a break from my house, and I would just go driving around a lot. And uh, at one point, I started driving through Marshall County quite a bit. And I would go through Benton, because I went to Benton um, a lot for school when I was younger, too. So I was already really familiar with the area. My brother went to Marshall County High School and stuff like that. So I started really looking at the town square, and I was like, this is just a cool little spot. Hmm. But then... I started looking around. I was like, why is there nothing art around here? Like, why is there no dance studios? Why is there no theaters around here? Why is why is there nothing here? Because um, I could see, like, cheerleading gyms, and I saw football places and stuff like that, but there was, like, nothing artistic there. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you really look in, like, downtown Paducah, there's, like, eight dance studios. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was honestly a big part as to why I thought I never would open a dance studio. I'm like, that's like 10 people that I'm competing with right there. I'm not going to yeah. waste my time. You know, yeah, <laughs> like they've already got 10 established businesses down yeah. there. I'm not going to fight with them. There's loyalty there. Yes. And then even up here in Murray, um, there's already like three or four dance studios up here. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to compete with that, you know, no, but you then could, I really yeah. looked in Benton and I just saw how many kids and how many families were there. And I was like, there's potential here. Why is nobody using it? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm a person of faith. So I prayed a lot about it and I was like, God, if it's in your will, like help me just make stuff kind of fall into place, you know, uh-huh. like, like just help me to trust my gut. Cause I question my gut a lot, yeah. but that's honestly some of the best advice I can give people is trust your gut. It's not going to steer you wrong most of the time. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm just going to walk around. I'm just going to look at these buildings and Poplar Street was where I ended up, and it was this ugly little green building. It was horrible. Um, had old paint on the windows from where, you know, like at Christmas when they do the frosted stuff on the windows. Yeah. Apparently, they could not get it off because it just stayed on the windows. It was horrible. <laughs> it's a built-in. It was a built-in. Um, there was, like, this big, giant, like, uh, added-on dressing room that was part of it later on. I guess somebody had turned it into, like, a little dress shop because you could even see the hardware in the wall still where they had taken the shelves off but yeah, left the hardware like behind. Boutique. Yes. Uh-huh. And But I just remember looking in there and looking at the space, and I was like this would be a really great movement space. Mm -hmm. This would be a really cool creative space if the right person got their hands on it. And I remember seeing like the for rent sign, the for sale sign. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call and ask what's the worst that can happen. Mm -hmm. He tells me no. 
So I called my landlord now. So crazy to think that this was just a few months ago, but I called him. I was like, and I had questions. I was like, hey, I was like, how much would the rent be per month? What's the square footage? Mm -hmm. Is there a bathroom in here? Is there this? And he was like, are you there right now? And I said, yeah, I'm standing outside the door. He goes, give me three minutes. I'm around the corner. I'll let you in the building. And I was like, okay, well, that's a great first step. (laughs) So he let me in. And I remember talking to my best friend a few days before. It was she and my mom were the only two people who knew that I was even considering doing this for months. Nobody knew this but them two. And um, I was like, how will I know? And she was like, it will smell like a dance studio when you walk in. And I said, it will smell. And she went, it will smell. You'll just know. (laughs) And she wasn't kidding. I walked in and just the smell. I was like, this is a dance studio. This, this is going to be where we start. And, um, I'll never forget. I, I looked at my mom cause my mom happened to be there with me too. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I want to make some phone calls. I want to make sure that I'm not crazy for thinking this. And she was like, okay. So we went to McDonald's and we got breakfast and we sat in the Walmart parking lot and I made phone calls. <laughs> I called about renter's insurance. I called about how much it would start to do the electric, the water. Um, I started calling for, um, estimates on flooring cause I had to get special dance flooring installed because mm-hmm. it was an old concrete building I was going into. So of course you can't be dancing on concrete. That's no. horrible on your joints. You can, but you'll get arthritis later on and a bunch of regret. Yeah. Um, so I made a lot of phone calls that day and I just, I kind of like sat on it for a couple weeks. I was like, I, I know I have the means financially to kind of get a start, but this first year is going to be hard because I, I have to know for a fact that I'm going to be able to at least break even with all my stuff, you yeah. know? Um, because normally, cause my mom is self-employed, she has her own business and she said, rule of thumb, it takes like three to five years to get your business to started to make a profit. Yeah. And then I started asking friends of mine that own studios. I was like, what, what would you consider to be like a good first year? And they were like, if you can get at least about 50 kids, that's a good first year. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking to myself, I was like, are there even 50 kids in Benton? I was like, I didn't even know. I was like, I see families, but are there even 50 kids here? And registration became the game changer. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. And I was like, worst case scenario, it sucks. It fails. And you know, I tried, I can at least say I tried, you know, you only get one chance at this life. Why not try? Um, so I went ahead and I started, renovating and we had 30 days we had it renovated and completely redone in like 22 days it was unreal um i had an amazing group of people i have amazing tribe of people i should say in my corner um like my best friend her older brother was an electrician and he did so much of the stuff redid all of it made it safe Um, my other best friend, Emily, her husband, Matt, he's a handyman. So he installed sheetrock for us. He redid, um, the windows in there. He did so much in there and it was like, it truly was a God thing. Everything just kind of fell into place. Mm -hmm. And when I saw it coming together and then we had the paint on the walls and the bars and the mirrors, I was like, this is a freaking awesome studio. (laughs) I was like, I would have never dreamed that like my first studio would look something like this. And then um, the moment registration happened, 4.30 on the dot, people started coming through the door. And at first we joked, cause I, I thought it was gonna be nothing but like five-year-olds my first year. Cause yeah. I had like 20 
kids that are like in the pre-k classes mm-hmm. and i was like okay well you know what if i'm just a pre-k studio this first year that's fine mm-hmm. but then we started getting kindergartners and then we started getting elementary school and then we started getting my high school kids that are on dance team and i was like this could work nice. this could really work and then we started like posting videos of the kids and when they started seeing just the ability of a lot of these kids just in the past few weeks what they can do i now have a wait list so like the space is a good size space, but I can't fit all those kids. And just the fact that I have a wait list now, I remember joking with somebody a long time ago. I was like, one of my dreams is to have a class where it's so full, I have to have a wait list. And it happened. And I was like, this is so surreal right now. That's crazy. But I, I'm just super proud of it. And I can't wait to see it grow and to become a, a pre-professional company like I want it to, because I think it's going to happen. And I just, I believe it's going to happen. Um, I've got the support of the community and the support of my kids and they're just, they're brilliant. They're brilliant kids and I can't wait to see, heck, they're even better than me than I was at their age, but that's the goal. <laughs> if they're not better than me, I'm not doing my job right, yeah. you know? So yeah, I just, I'm so proud of them and I can't wait to see this just go, just take off and go. And it all started off as like that, that seemingly ugly green building. Yes. <laughs> Did you take like... Well, I assume you did, but did you, how much uh, direct involvement did you have with like the renovations? Like, were you kind of in there? I was in every aspect of it. Breaking walls and stuff? Yeah. Um, I was, you have no idea how glad I was to tear down the dressing room in there. Oh. Because honestly, that was going to be the thing that made or break whether I could rent the space or not. Because it was, the floors were concrete, but they had taken the base of the dressing room and like drilled it into the concrete. And so at the time... And I didn't know that we could do it, but I was like, if we can't get this dressing room out of here, I'm not going to pay the rent and I'm not, I'll go look somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But the landlord was like, he was like, you can take down the dressing room. He's like, I'm not saying you can't. He's like, but when it's down, he's like, you're going to have to like rip it to pieces. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, at the end of the day, it's your space. I I don't want to make major changes that you don't want changed. And I said, so with your permission, can we rip this sucker down? He was like, yeah. He was like, I I fully believe he's like, you're going to turn this into something great, something better than I could feasibly do. So Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm going to trust you. He's like, I'm going to let you tear down that dressing room. Dude, I got a sledgehammer. (laughs) We went at it on that sucker. It took us two days to take it all down, but we finally got it down. And just taking it down and even taking down the old, you know, those old drop ceiling fans that like stick down like six feet from the ceiling. They're like the old 60s ones. That's what was in there. We took those down and just the room just became massive all of a sudden. And I was like, and it was funny because my dad walked in later on. He was like, man, he was like this is actually a lot bigger than what I thought it was. I was mm-hmm. like, it's amazing what happens when you just take down obstacles and obstructions of your view mm-hmm. and just see the open space that you've got. And then, so yeah, from demoing the dressing room and taking down ceiling fans all the way to picking out paint colors. And, and I had to physically get on a scaffold and paint the top because we have like 20 foot tall ceilings in there, which are beautiful, but they're <laughs> a pain in the butt to deal with. So yeah. I had to get on a scaffold and go all the way around to paint and then installing the floor. We did that by hand by ourselves because it's a special spring floor system. Mm-hmm. Um, rolling out the Marley. Uh, reno- yeah, yeah we put Marley, Marley on there. I can't wait for the day that I'm in like a more permanent space though because then I can heat seal those floors Ooh. because I hate gaff taping them. Like yeah. especially with tap, they get so chewed up. I'm yeah. like, my floor looks ugly now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. But... Um, 
Yeah, all the way. And there's even a little kitchen. So I got to like put stuff in the kitchen and like have a space for the kids to go in there and eat. Because a lot of times they're going straight from school to dance. Yeah. And I remember thinking a long time ago, I was like, I want them to have a space where like they can basically treat it like home. Mm-hmm. Like if they're going to be there five, six hours, I want them to feel like they're at home. Do you put in like lockers or anything? Um, there's like little cubbies for them. Oh, so nice. they can go into like the main cubbies. studio and they have these yeah. big thing of cubbies that they just literally drop and go. Nice. Um, one of my girls, Molly's has, has basically adopted the upstairs loft as her own. She's like, I'm just going to live up here. Just give me an air mattress and I'm good. And I'm <laughs> like, I don't, I don't doubt that. I have no doubts that you would live up there if I'd let you. Um, but that just made me happy. I was like the fact that they feel safe enough to just be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but like trusting that they're in a good environment where not only are they going to learn, but they're going to thrive, that yeah. they can do so in, in their own kind of personal sanctuary. And that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be when they walked in, you were like, wow, this is a cool building. But at the same time, once you got in there with classes stuff being like, this is home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this ain't just a place to dance. This is home. So I assume when you started and when you first hit registration and everything, you probably mm-hmm. had a set kind of curriculum and a set, like these yeah. are the classes are offered. How has that expanded? Like what do you offer and what, you know, like what is on the the docket yeah. for what you teach? So for everything, I specialize specifically in uh, theater style dance, jazz and tap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also um, trained in ballet contemporary lyrical because contemporary lyrical is what a lot of my masters revolved around in Mm -hmm. Um, but ballet is just super super foundational to your technical training Mm -hmm. Um, the only style I don't offer is hip-hop and it's simply because I personally don't feel comfortable teaching that style I love taking that style and learning it Mm -hmm. Um, but just me personally I just don't feel strong enough to teach it because it's such a nuanced style that Mm -hmm. it it takes somebody who has truly fully integrated themselves into it all their life to Mm -hmm. like truly be a master at teaching it Um, I've taught it before but I'm just gonna be real I feel too white to teach hip-hop it's just one of those styles I'm like I just don't I don't think I'm great at it I love taking it I love the art form but I'm like I'm too white for hip-hop I just can't do it I will do jazz and ballet all day but just not hip hop. So I'm looking for a hip hop teacher for anybody who is listening to this podcast, right? <laughs> I'll send your girl an email. I'll help you out. Um, but yeah, so for like the pre-K, K through first, they get ballet, tap, jazz. And then it's when you hit level two and up that we officially start introducing the truly stylized forms of dance. So like contemporary, which is much more about um, emotional comprehension of music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where there's like, no rules really you can move however um lyrical is the fusion of ballet and jazz so that's why i always say if you can have a solid ballet jazz foundation then you pretty much do really well at lyrical and it's Mm -hmm. truly interpreting lyrics to music and then theater dance which is which is kind of how i got my start into my career anyways accidentally i didn't even realize it but um i love theater dance i love anything broadway style dance it's literally put me in three inch heels and I'm happy. Like I'm good. Let's go. Um, we're not doing that this year though. Um, just cause I didn't have a big enough class size for it, but, um, I've already got interest for it for next year and we might even do some like workshops and stuff. Oh, so nice. yeah, really excited about it. Well, I was, you know, I was about to say, you kind of said you got your, your star in, in theater dance. So th- this is where you're at now. You know, mm-hmm. you've opened your own business. You're doing all these terrific things in Benton. What, and we talked about this earlier, yeah. there's always that kind of 
conceptual moment with yeah. people in the arts where it's like they try something and they're like, oh, I like this. So, yeah. you know, going back to the beginning, when, what's your introduction to dance and how did you get involved with dance and where did this all this passion and this yeah. life of performance start for you? Um, so I started dancing when I was actually four and I went to a place called uh, the Bradley Academy of Dance. It was a mm-hmm. classical school in Reedland, Kentucky. It was owned by Judy Bradley. Still love that woman to this day. Um, and her daughter, Dee Dee, for years was a Chicago lovable. So she mm-hmm. was already very familiar with like the professional dance world. Um, and I did explicitly ballet and tap for many years. Um, I did that all the way up until I was 12. And then unfortunately, um, she had a hip surgery that went wrong and it kind of forced her into retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a point that like I understood the vocabulary. She could throw terms at me and I could do them. Um, but she was like, in order for me to teach you right, I got to be able to get up and interact and work with you. And I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. So she got forced into retirement. And then, um, I switched to another studio for about five years, but I really, and I was kind of introduced to jazz, but it wasn't like jazz. Like Mm -hmm. I know it today. Um, and I don't regret my experience at that studio because I met my best friend now of 14 years there. So, um, it was still a wonderful experience, but I remember, at that point, I, I just I kind of figured out on my own, and this was before we had like ten plus dance studios in Paducah. Now yeah. we only had like two or three at this time, and I remember thinking, if I'm seriously gonna consider dance at all, I'm gonna have to go out of state and get some training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I just started auditioning for summer intensives, and summer intensives are the thing that kind of make you or break you. A what age bit. was that at? That was at I want to say I did my first one when I was like. 15, okay. 16. Um, whenever I was 16, I went and did Nashville ballet. I did their summer intensive and it was a two week program and it was all on point classical training, Chiquetti methodology. And I absolutely loved it. But I remember coming out of that and I was like, you know what? I love ballet. I will always love ballet, but I just don't have the feet for the point work. Um, mm-hmm. you have to have very specific feet that can handle those shoes every day. Really? My left foot is really strong. My right foot years ago, the arch collapsed in it. So it really affected how I point that foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and because a lot of the time you're right side dominant in your point shoes, I just, I physically couldn't do it. It was just a struggle. And I was like, I love ballet, but I don't think this is the direction I'm going to go in. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I went and I did like jazz workshops and palm workshops and stuff like that. And I remember when I was, I think I was 17 or 18, we went and saw the Rockets at Christmas time. And this was when I was still in that five-year period at this, at this studio. And I was like, they're just so cool. I was like, they're tall like me and, and they're in heels and they're just amazing. And then this thing popped up on the program. The back of the program was advertising the Rockets summer intensive. And I remember my mom looking at me and she was going, do you think you'd want to do that? And I was like, I'm honestly not sure. And what it was looking back was I was scared because mm-hmm. I was like, do I have the technical ability to keep up with that? I'm like, cause they're, they're not just good. They're amazing. They're the Rockettes. They're, the Rockettes. <laughs> they're America's sweethearts, literally. Yeah. And so I'm like, can I keep up with that? And so that following summer, the opportunity came up and I auditioned for them and I got into the program and I was so excited. And I remember that first day at the Rockets program because you were learning three routines in the span of six hours. And one of the routines was like six minutes long. Hmm. So you're learning all this day one. And I remember getting back to my hotel room, just sobbing. I was like, I can't do this. This is so hard. My brain is mush. (laughs) 
But then I went back the next day and just every day I went back, I just fell more and more in love with it. And now looking back, I realized that was my true introduction to the world of theater was through the Rockets and theater dance specifically. And I came out of that first summer intensive being like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I love this style. Like mm-hmm. this, this is what fits me. And, and I remember it just like the, like the puzzle pieces kind of finally started falling into place. And so, um, I graduated high school and after that experience, I went back the second summer and that was the year that I thought I was going to start four years at Western Kentucky university actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got over there and I remember thinking, I was like, again, following your gut instinct, just like listening to your gut. I was like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. This isn't sitting right, this environment. And so I talked to my parents. I was like, can I do community college and get my associates while I keep training, while I keep dancing? They were like, yeah, absolutely. Just as long as you're in school, we'll, we'll support you however. Because mm-hmm. um, that was a biggie with them. They were like, we want you to get, to get a degree. We want you to have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Whether it be dance, whatever you want to do, we don't care. But, you know, I'm the first person in my family on both sides to get a degree of any kind. Um, so even just an associates, they were going to be happy with Mm -hmm. little did they realize eight years later, I would have a master's degree, but, (laughs) but, uh, so they were like, we'll support you. However, and I was like, okay, so I started West Kentucky and that's when I found the rhythm factory in Paducah. And, um, I met the woman, Tiffany, and she's wonderful. She's still a dear friend to this day. And I was just real with her. I was like, I, I've got some catching up to do. I was like, I I know that I can roll with the best of them. I said, but if I'm truly going to progress and grow, I know there's a lot of technical skills that I've not learned yet that I, I, I need to know. And she was like, we'll get you caught up. And so she literally spent two years with me just kind of getting me caught up technically while I was at West Kentucky Tech. And then I had it in my brain once I graduated West Kentucky Tech with my associates. I was like, well, I'll go to SEMO for dance because they had a dance program at the time. And I got to SEMO and not even three days in, it just was very clear I was not meant to be there. The water was not working in my building. I had no electricity in my dorm. Um, (laughs) We were not able to cook food or anything. Um, they had moved my room without asking me. So I got there going into one room and then they were like, Oh, you're actually going to be in this dorm and didn't tell me at all. So I had to completely change rooms. Um, my class schedule got messed up. They changed my schedule without telling me. It was literally like a ripple effect. One thing after that, I was like, I'm just going to take this as a sign that I'm not supposed to be here. So I remember calling my mom and dad and they were like, this is getting ridiculous. And then it was funny because not even the end of the week, there was a new story of where the water main in the building that I was in had broke and everybody was forced to leave the dorm because it was flooding. It was unreal. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to take that as a sign. And that was where I kind of had to like really think about directionally where I was going. I was like, I want to dance, but I was like, I, I didn't feel confident enough at the time to like, go audition for NYU or UK or anything like that. Um, And I was like, and to the kind of style that I'm loving right now, it's a very kind of specific nuanced style that not a lot of colleges address nowadays. Mm -hmm. They do now, but back then when I was really getting started, it wasn't as big. And I remember having that semester just kind of floating around. And I was like, you know what? I never considered Murray. 
They don't have a dance program, but let me just go talk to them in the theater department. Cause I had taken theater appreciation at West Kentucky tech mm. and I loved it. The woman who taught that class was Constance Frank and I loved her. She was amazing. And she was like, you've just got natural movement for theater. You would do great. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I left it at that. I didn't think much about it afterwards, yeah. but I was like, let me just go talk to them and just, and just see. Um, and that's when I met David mm. and David became my advisor and he was like, one of two things will happen. He was like, you will either do amazing things in this department or you're just going to get a degree and go on your merry way. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And um, it was right after meeting David and finally getting my foot in the door as a transfer that that's when I learned that choreography could potentially be a, a big career thing for me because mm-hmm. um, I had it in my brain for some reason that just professional dancing that's the only thing I could do and I think that's that's the hiccup that a lot of dancers get into they think they can only be a professional dancer mm-hmm. or they can only be a dance teacher um, and coming into the theater program that's when I learned I was like oh no I could be a dance captain I could be a maintenance choreographer I could be a creative director there's many choreographers that go into cinematography just because they have that natural eye for movement with the camera mm-hmm. um my eyes were just opened and that was when I also got asked to choreograph curtains, my very first musical right here at Murray state, which I had planned on auditioning for. And David messaged me and he was like, Hey, he was like, do you actually want to do the choreography? And I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Of course, I didn't realize I was going to be choreographing 23 numbers, but (laughs) it ended up being great. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the process and the and the collaboration and being on production. And that's when I realized really quickly, like teaching wise, I just love I just loved interacting with the actors and with people and and also especially being with actors who had never danced before, having it in their brains, I can't dance. I can't dance. And I'm like, can you walk? Can you move? You can dance. We're gonna make you dance. And then when they finally get up and do it, just seeing just their joy and just how excited they would get. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, I just danced. This is incredible. And I loved that. And I was like, I want to keep being a part of that. And so, and then through that process, that's when I really figured out that career-wise, maybe not performance, but choreography definitely was an avenue that I wanted to go down. Um, and that's how I booked a lot of my jobs. It was not through dance. It was through choreography them looking at my work through Murray state and through working at studios and stuff like that. And, um, but theater has a lot to do with how I ended up here as a choreographer and as an owner, because it opened my eyes to so many more possibilities than just being a professional dancer. There's so many little nuanced avenues that a lot of people don't recognize. And then of course I got to collaborate with, you know, Daryl Philippi, who who you've recently had on here and, and Matthew Kreider and so many amazing artists and, and directors who, who knew how to take my abilities and also kind of introduce new ways for me to approach them. Because in my brain, it was like, just tell me what to do and I'll move. Yeah. Mm. Whereas Daryl is very conceptual. We just, we discussed that a little bit earlier. He's very conceptual. And he was like, he would give me a prompt and he'd be like, just move in response to that prompt. And he's Mm. like, and if I like it, I'll tell you. And I was like, okay, I'll (laughs) I'll make that work. That's fine. Um, and that was kind of how, in a way I got started with, um, 
my first production ever as an actor was was on The Tempest. I was Ariel. And I got cast mainly because of my movement. He was throwing out prompts like, okay, I want you to embody fire. I want you to embody water. I want you to, because he needed somebody that could kind of take on all of that movement really easily. Um, but also not let it get so overwhelming that like they became a distraction mm-hmm. um, because that can really easily happen with actors. They get so caught up in the movement aspect that it, it doesn't help the ensemble. It becomes a distraction in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was like, Oh, I was like, I didn't even realize that I could choreograph for like dramas. Um, and so just learning all that, it just became, Yeah. It was very eye-opening. So if I really look back, it was probably like the Rockets was when I truly got first introduced. And then thanks to to Murray State and just things not falling into place like they should have. (laughs) It all came together. And I'm here today. So, yeah. There you go. There we go. So, um, you know, I'm always interested in this. And especially with... um, Especially with, you know, people in... Of course, people in the arts is how that works. But anyway, <laughs> um, walk me through like your personal creative process when you are you're brought on to mm-hmm. choreograph a show or a, you know yeah. uh, something. What it, what what is your creative process like for that? Yeah, um, a lot of the times first I will go based on who my teammates are or who the production staff is. Um, if, if the directors tend to be a lot more conceptual or abstract, I know that I can get away with a lot more quote unquote weird movement that will work for the show. Um, if they're much more direct and to the point, then I tend to be a lot more clear and concise and, and I guess traditional to a degree with my movement. Um, a lot of times I will go also based on the time period. Like what time period are we going off of? Are we going 1950s? Are we going 1800s? Um, because a lot of the times I try to, with the musical, especially be as historically accurate as I can be. Now, granted, if it's, if it's a little bit more campy and stuff like that, I know I can get away with a lot more, but I have to be careful with that. Um, and then the final thing is my actors. How well can my actors move naturally? Do you, you know, do I have a full ensemble of dancers or is 90% of my cast people who have never put on tap shoes before, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's happened before. I've had a cast of people that have never danced and I have to keep that in mind with choreography. What's simple to me will probably not be simple to them. Um, and that, and that's always fun to see when I'm like, okay guys, we're going to do a kickball change. And they're like, what the hell is a kickball change? <laughs> like, well, how do we do that? And so trying to break that down for them and, and really truly navigate how to weave it seamlessly into the story as well. Um, so a lot of the time I like to do more research based stuff before I even truly start playing with movement. So, um, for example, if like, if we know the character is a cowboy, naturally, what kind of stuff do they wear and how does that affect their movement? If they're wearing a lot of weight or does their weight go back? Does their weight go forward? How do their hips move? Cause that's going to influence the choreography quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, are they carrying certain props? What can I do with those props? Um, how can I move those props around? And it's a lot of honestly playing mm-hmm. to a degree to start. And then once I play and I, and I'll always put a camera on myself while I'm playing just to see like if, for example, if they're holding a parasol, what can I do with the parasol? What movement can I do on the ground? What can I do up in the air with it? Can I turn with it? Can I interact with somebody else easily with it? And then after I film myself playing with the props and playing with the movement a little bit, I'll start pulling segments that I really like 
And then that's when I'll start truly fleshing out choreography. Um, I do have to keep in mind too, that the music, especially depending on the tempo will, will greatly affect it too. If it's more fast and upbeat, I'm just going to say this, the more fast and upbeat it is, the more dense my book choreography becomes, (laughs) there becomes a lot more stuff that goes into it because to me, that just makes it much more visually interesting. Um, the slower it is, the more easier, more chill my choreography tends to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what was so funny about like crazy for you, for example, um, I want to say slap that bass, which, um, was like a four minute number. People were getting tickled because they're, I am all about like hitting a good accent in a song. If I can get it, like, if you're like a woo in the song and if I can hit that specifically, then the audience will hear it and they'll be like, Oh, I never knew that was in that song before. And so it's funny when I start choreographing that and then the artist and the actors hear it, they're like, oh my gosh, I've never noticed that in the yeah. song before until you made me do that. And I love that. And so I really like playing, especially with the accents and the music and almost controlling to a degree what the audience hears. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's many things that go into it. Mainly it's concept. What's the concept? What's the time period? What's the clothing and props? And that's where it's truly a collaborative thing. You, you have to really rely on your fellow production members to give you the information you need. Um, a lot of the times I wasn't able to start choreography because I had no clue, you know, what the time period would be. What are we wearing? What does the set design look like? Do we have to dance on tables? Do I got to be on chairs? You know, is, are we going to be on a rake? That's happened before. Um, yeah, Daryl had us on a rake. It was horrible <laughs> for was Frankenstein. It, I was about to say, I was like, I remember that. How do you dance on a rake? Very hard. And for, the, for, the, for, for those listening that aren't necessarily like theater performance people, a rake would be a stage on an incline, yes. an incline stage. Yeah. And, and this was a mega rake that we were on too. It was like, let's be real. It was a ramp. Oh <laughs> like we were on a full on ramp and, um, we had to do a duet. And so I had to really consider, because originally when I choreographed the dance, we had lifts and stuff in it. And mm-hmm. I, and we got to keep a couple of them. But once I learned that a ramp, that a rake was involved, I was like, this changes about half the choreography. There's yeah. no way with the physics involved that we can safely do some of Your this. Your leg muscles are going to be working differently. Yes. Because, I mean, that's, that's going to be tough on the ankles. Yes. And so a, a lot of it ended up getting changed and but it ended up looking great it looked really cool but i just i'll never forget daryl being like oh by the way you're gonna be dancing on a rake and when he said that i thought it was gonna be like oh okay like maybe like five inch incline not a big deal no this was like a full-on like five foot ramp that we were dancing on and i was like you're trying to kill me (laughs) so oh wait real quick so you you choreographed for frankenstein Mm -hmm. and then you choreographed for tempest Mm mm-hmm Tempest isn't, you know, that's a Shakespeare show. Tempest is Shakespeare. Shakespeare, and then Frankenstein is like a drum. Where is the dance in these shows? I thought they were just, you so know, with, So with Tempest, what it was is I played Ariel. Um, oh. Ariel, for those of you that don't know, is like the right-hand man to Prospero. Um, and this was done in like very like dreamy steampunk was the style. So it was a very music-heavy show. A lot of the music helped kind of dis- like determine the environment for the show and Ariel the way she was done um I pretty much had on an orange bodysuit and imagine Abe Sapien but orange that's what I looked like and I had a white mohawk and the, the idea was that Ariel was kind of like an alien bird and so my movement had to be very stylized so if Prospero was standing still like my arms and legs were still going and moving almost as if I was floating in water okay um but Daryl was very clear on like 
he wanted Ariel's entrances to be very choreographed mm-hmm. and stylized, almost like a creature in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, so literally Daryl would just send me music and he'd be like, play with this for a second. Um, keep in mind, you're going to be entering upstage stage left. He was like, you know, and you're going to come underneath the bridge at one point. So be careful of that. Or um, you're going to come center downstage and you're going to step up on this little ramp right here. Be careful with that when you're choreographing. And he, and I would just like literally make videos and send it to him be like, does this look good? Um, Cause I didn't know what I was doing. It was my first show yeah. ever, like, like doing something like that. Yeah. So I was just having to play and send it to him, see if he liked it. And he was like, yeah, this looks great. This looks awesome. And then in the second act, it's when they're doing the the celebration for uh, Miranda and Ferdinand, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the creatures come together and they're doing like their little spiels and songs. And we ended up doing a full on like choreographed dance to it, which was really oh. cool. I had this really cool like floating orb thing that lit up. And so I got to carry it the whole show Ooh. and people kept wanting to play with it. And I was like, nope, it's mine. Oh. <laughs> it was awesome. So I got to choreograph with that. And then that was when Daryl and I kind of like established our director choreographer relationship mm-hmm. because I think after that he just he knew he could trust me with stuff like that yeah and so the version of Frankenstein we ended up doing um was actually very stylized it was a more recent um version that we were doing and there's a dance involved between the mate and Franken's or the mate and the monster excuse me mm-hmm. um and it was supposed to be like a dream sequence and he was like I would really like to do that dance part if possible and I was like okay we'll 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 figure out something we'll make it work and it ended up just being like a little three minute dance um because that show especially was very um I don't want to say avant-garde but very non-linear and how it was approached and like so the, the script or yeah the, the script the script was very okay. kind of non-linear and so we had to keep that in mind because you know how Daryl is yeah he's very <laughs> conceptual already and he and I, it was interesting because I knew what he was asking for, but then actually trying to physically manifest it, mm-hmm. especially on, on the set that we had and with the few actors that we had. And with the way the script was done, it was more of a challenge for me because I was like, how do I make this dance seamlessly fit in with this already kind of odd laid out script? Mm-hmm. And so that was a unique challenge for me. And that's where I think, too, I learned so much about just being a general choreographer for shows, period. Not specifically just musicals, but even hyper-stylized dramas where, because you you will come across directors that are like, hey, I want like a small dance in the background while they're doing this. Or, hey, we want like somebody playing the guitar and you guys jamming in the corner while this dialogue's happening. So you have to be really considerate of that as well. It's like, how do I contribute to that without taking away from the important thing that's going on over here in the corner? Mm -hmm. And so the balance is yes and it's, yeah. it's probably very delicate to work yes. with yes and even too like um like I did a small bit of choreography for Glass Menagerie um and it was it's when Laura and I believe Tom are together dancing when he comes over to the house and I had to like be very weary of like okay they're pantomiming a lot of the scenery so I have to keep in mind where you naturally pantomiming scenery at you know Mm -hmm. like where is it in the space I need to be made aware before I give you this choreography Mm -hmm. so I had 30 minutes to kind of like lay out this pretty dance but also be mindful of we have a fake imaginary couch behind them we've got a door over here to the left by them but they still have dialogue occurring so it can't take away from their dialogue and and that's where um it just becomes really interesting going at it from a true 
acting perspective. It's like, cause the choreography just adds another layer of emotional context to what's going on. And it can either, it can either benefit it or it can either take away from it. And you have to be really careful as a choreographer when doing that, because ultimately I don't want to take away from the dialogue. That's yeah. sort of like the base of everything we're going off of right now is the script. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times it's, the words are beautiful in themselves. The movement just needs to kind of be like the background to it. It mm-hmm. doesn't need to be full on in your face up front, mm-hmm. you know? It's and not I feel like, like a dance recital. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not meant to be that. It's meant to assist in the dialogue. Like it's not. And, yes. yes. Yeah. So it's kind of a, I guess a fun question I'm curious about is <laughs> you have choreographed for a lot of musicals. I was mm-hmm. actually sitting here wondering, and I was like, crazy for you was the first show I ever got to be in at Murray mm-hmm. State. I was a little freshman and I was wondering, I was like, I'm pretty sure you choreographed that. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I didn't do a lot of dancing in that show. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to remember, I was like, oh yeah, you were there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Side that bass is great. It was always, it was like the most like fun song. In that yeah. Show. Um, but if you had to pick one, if you had to pick a musical that was your favorite to choreograph, and then two, a musical that you've always wanted to choreograph or choreograph or really want to. Oh gosh, why would you give me that question for us? <laughs> um, probably, because I've done so many at this point. Um, I would say probably my all-time favorite favorite that I've choreographed. It probably would be crazy for you because really? it was such a tap heavy show and yeah. I had never gotten my hands on a true, cause I love tap. Tap is one of my things I specialize in. And it was one of those that honestly, I, I wasn't even meant to like be on production for that. Brent and them had just decided to do it. And, um, I had talked to Brent afterwards and he was telling me about the conversation between him and David. They were like, well, we picked crazy for you. And David was like, you know that's a really tap-heavy show, right? And Brent was like, mm-hmm. yeah, what do we do? He goes, well, first of all, you call Cassidy and make sure she's in town because <laughs> she's going to have to take care of it. Otherwise, we're screwed. Um, and so they called me in. And I remember at one point, like, it kind of scared me because nobody in, in the department at that time really had any tap experience except for maybe four or five people. Yeah. And it's such an ensemble-heavy show, that one is. And I, I remember one of the numbers. I can't remember which one looking back, but I was like is there any way we can make this one like a jazz number, you know, make it a little easier. And Brent was like, honestly, he was like, I've, I've got faith in you. He was like, I seriously think we can make this work. He was like, we just, we need somebody that knows what they're doing when it comes to tap. And I was like, okay. And then actually getting in there and doing it and seeing how much everybody loved tap made me super happy. Mm-hmm. And so then I got to play with it a little bit more. Um, so when I really think back to like a show that I've already done, that's my favorite, it probably would be crazy for you because of the tap alone. I just love tapping. Oh, that's so funny. And then a show that I would love to choreograph. Oh my gosh. A show that I would probably love to choreograph. Honestly, I would love to do like 42nd Street. Like I would love to do like full on 42nd Street would be amazing. I think that's like a dream show for me. I I think I've seen that. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound stupid, but I forgot it. It's 22nd Street or 42nd Street. I think, I assume it's 42nd Street. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the one where it's like, there's this big dance company and there's this girl that like, tries. yes, yes, I saw that. Yeah. In, I saw that in London. And yes. It was 
incredible and like they brought out and during the show they like wheeled out like 40 pianos yes and it's so great it's so busby berkeley and that's like what makes me obsessed with it i remember being introduced to busby berkeley like during my bachelor's Mm -hmm. and i just loved just that hyper stylized kaleidoscope kind of design that Mm -hmm. he always does and so when they started doing that it made me think like follies like will rogers follies and i became obsessed with it and that's why i'm like 42nd Street is like one of my bucket list shows. I've oh. got to do it at least one time in my life and I will be happy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those musicals where it's, you know, it, the thing about musicals is you have, you know, you have three different elements. You have kind of the, the acting, the, you know, the dialogue and then the, um, the dancing yeah. and then the, the singing. And so those three, and, and the funny thing is, you know, a lot of times those three are kind of imbalanced, but mm-hmm. you know this better than I do those things are in balance and there's sometimes when those things are kind of like one is a little bit more heightened than the yeah. other and 42nd street is one of those shows where the dance is mm-hmm. like it takes center stage yeah it's then, integral yeah. yes it is so integral but it's such a spectacle yeah like and but tap is one of those things where it's like i've always wished i was like i did more <laughs> tap um and it's just whenever you see it done, it's always like done well. It's yeah. always just so naturally impressive and fun and yeah. exciting for all the senses. Yeah. And but like when it's over the top, yeah, it's so fun to watch. Yeah. And like Forty Second Street is one of those shows where it just gets really over the top. And it's like I remember watching it, and they would do a tap number, and I think, oh my god, that was amazing. And then they yeah. one up it in the next scene, and they one up that yes. in the next scene, and like, you know, it it just keeps getting more intense. Yes. But like tap is just so fun to watch. I, I wish I that. like I took so my when I was little, my mom worked at a well, it was a dance studio and gymnastics studio. Yeah. She was uh, one of the gymnastics teachers and she was like, and this was way before I was interested in performance. This is definitely one of those things where I'm like, oh, mom's making me do it. <laughs> but uh, she made me take a jazz class. I, she, I had to take a gymnastics class and a jazz class mm-hmm. and they were back to back. I do gymnastics and then I go to jazz and I was the only boy in the class. I was in like, I was in like third grade yeah. and I distinctly remember it was like, we did, well, we did jazz, but like our routine was to, um, get your head in the game from yes and uh i just there's just a vhs tape out there somewhere during the recital and i'm like in a mesh tank top oh yes mesh tank tops oh my gosh we're so dating ourselves with the mesh tank oh, tops that's I awesome and, oh my god it was, it was so but like i wish i'd done that my whole life like my grandfather uh he took ballet and my mom kind of tried to get me into it but yeah and uh i didn't really get into performance until like mm-hmm. late high school and i was like just kicking myself i didn't do it but yeah you know i took the tap class here um that actually leads me to my next question, uh, kind of a random one. But, yeah. So I took the tap class here, and then sometime after that, you notified the department or made a posting or whatever that you're going to do that yeah. tap uh, workshop. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so I was like, any any chance to work with you? Uh, and then also just to try to get better mm-hmm. at tap. So we did that. But I remember you just had, like, the coolest, most, like, personalized, like, tap shoes. What's the story on those? Okay, so everybody ask about the boots. They're cool. They're they're my tap boots. Um, it's a brand called Miller & Ben. Uh-huh. Um, they are these two guys that come out of Israel, and they are, like, tap pros um and it's almost like a rite of passage when you get a a pair of miller and ben's because that means like you're there like you've made it um and i was at broadway dance center tap dancing um i was getting my certification in theater dance and jazz and tap and 
I remembered seeing my teacher, Jill Kenny, which if you ever go to Broadway Dance Center and even just take basic tap with her, she she's tiny but mighty, y'all. Like she is one of those, she's just brilliant, just her artistry and just and just how she plays with tempo and rhythm and syncopation and tap. It's just unreal. Um, but she had on Miller and Benz and she, hers are blue and white that she had on and they were what they call the sport taps. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I was like, those are some of the coolest tap shoes I've ever seen. And so I asked her about them. I was like, where did you get those? And she was like, it's Miller and Benz. And she was telling me all about them. And I remember thinking to myself, I, cause I asked her afterwards, I was like, how much are they? She's like, well, it just depends on the shoe. She was like, some shoes are like 250. If you get the boots, they're like 400 and something. She said, but they'll last you for forever. And I remember like really just like looking online at their designs and like all, cause you, you custom make them like, so yeah. my, so my boots are the only ones that look like that in the world. Nobody else has that pair of boots. That's what, the, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, it looks like you customize them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're cool. custom. Um, and that's what I loved is like, you truly design them to fit your needs. And so I've got like the strap on them for ankle support and stuff like that. And I remember looking at it and I was like, I just don't know if I can bring myself to spend 400 something dollars on tap boots. But I was tapping so much that I was literally burning through $50 shoes. Like they would last me maybe two, three weeks and I would break them and I'd have to go buy new ones. And I was like, you know what? I would rather pay the 400 and know they're going to last me for forever yeah. instead of burning through 50, 70 bucks every few weeks, you know, cause I was tapping hard at that point and I'm still tapping hard to this day. I tap every single day, just about. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For you to get your own like, custom. Yeah. I, mean, like, I have like these like $30 Amazon, like yep. floppy, like <laughs> someone glued some metal pieces onto some character shoes, yeah. kind of tap shoes, but like, you know, obviously there'd be no need for me to buy like customized tap shoes yeah. unless I just wanted to like and I have throw some And money. I have purchased another pair since then and I also have some white ones, so I have a problem now. Oh. But they're just brilliant. But that's really cool. Yeah. I remember thinking I was like, That's that's so cool. Like I mean like <laughs> like I remember like I got like I, I played hockey when I was younger. Yeah. And so like I became a really good ice skater and I ended up getting some like really nice like hockey skates. Yeah. And I used them so much where I was like worth the investment. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. But I remember when you taught that tap intensive, I like, you know, obviously I had to look at your feet to know what to do. Yeah. I was just like, those <laughs> shoes are so cool. And yeah. like, I, I assume like, do you think tapping in like a boot is, is better than tapping in like kind of a low cut shoe? Like tap it shoe? really depends on your personal preference. Uh-huh. So for me, even though I'm a dancer and I've been dancing for like 24 years now, I still don't have the greatest angles at times. Mm. Thanks a lot, mom. <laughs> that comes from her. Um, so I personally like the boot because it gives me extra support throughout the day. And especially because there, there have been times. So last year, for example, I would tap for like three hours in a row, like one class back to back to back to back and your feet get tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I'm literally standing on my feet the whole three hours. I'm not sitting down. And so it just made logical sense for me to get the boot style because I had additional support. Um, and then also too, they just were, were comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I needed something comfortable. And then, um, not this past year, but the year before I got um, a pair of the sport taps because a lot of people were like during the summer, if you don't want the constriction of a boot because they do get hot. I will mm-hmm. say that the boot gets hot fast if you're yeah. not careful. Um, and then I'd take off my boots and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. <laughs> this is horrible. So I got some sport taps because a lot of people were like, tried the sport taps and it's, they kind of look like an ugly bowling shoe, but if mm-hmm. you get like the right color combo, they look cool. So mine are bright orange. They're a light mm-hmm. and dark orange. Um, th- their names are peach and tango. Cause <laughs> I just, I love it. 
And so I got those for summer and I love my sport taps. They are really comfortable and they're great for if you want like just heavier sound in your heels, especially because the boot is a shorter heel. It's like a little like half inch heel is what that one is. And then sport tap is a solid inch heel on the back. Um, And I like it too, because a lot of my choreography with tap, I really like a solid like heel sound. And even then sometimes I just use the heel as like, keep the tempo, you know? Um, And so I like the sport taps when choreographing stuff like that because then a lot of times the dancers can hear me keeping the tempo while I'm tapping with that shoe. You get different uses of different boots. Yes, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it really just depends on the kind of choreography I'm doing and also like who am I teaching at that time? Like what do they need to hear? What do they need to see? Um, but nine times out of 10, it's the purple boots that I got on. Cause mm-hmm. they're just, they're, they're broken in, you know how it is with the yeah. good broken in shoe. They're super comfortable and oh, you're, yeah. you're spoiled to them. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, I, I yeah. had to clear it up. Like those, <laughs> I, those boots are awesome. Yeah. They're amazing. They're uh, totally worth it. Now to, uh, just to close kind of a, kind of a fun thing. Um, Aside from dancing, Mm -hmm. uh, what is, you know, be it, you know, like a movie, a TV show, a book, Mm -hmm. Indian food, whatever, what is something you've been really into lately that's just, you're really excited about or just kind of has been like a big thing for you lately? Um, Just anything. So surprise, surprise, maybe not to people, but I'm actually getting my yoga teacher certification right now. That's so cool. Yeah. I like, I, especially through COVID, like yoga kind of became my saving grace in my sanity because I couldn't leave the house and I got really into it and I love doing like headstands and inversions and stuff like that and and playing around with that I'm a creature of movement as long Mm -hmm. as I'm moving I'm happy and and so I was like I really love yoga and I would love to like teach it to people and because I mean even aside from the movement practice just like the the philosophy behind it. I feel like it's so important and it's, it's philosophy that people can take with them. Mm -hmm. Just the super mindfulness and the spirituality with it and just coming back into your own, into your own self a little bit. Yeah. Because we get so distracted by the external that we need to bring it back a little bit and be like, okay, Mm -hmm. internally, what do I need as an individual right now? Do I just need to sit and take a few breaths? Do I need to just like zone out and and lay in savasana for a little bit what do i need Mm -hmm. and so i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do some yoga and i'm gonna be a teacher so i started yoga training um back at the end of october and i started doing the course and i'm like oh my gosh there's so much more to this than i realized (laughs) a lot of anatomy a lot of like Mm -hmm. body assessing stuff the body assessment's been really cool learning about um like they were showing pictures of like people's hip bones. I'm such an anatomy nerd. It's so weird. But like just like understanding how certain people sit in like child's pose, for example. Mm-hmm. So like if you have really narrow hips, you have to narrow your pose a lot more because mm-hmm. like your legs won't go as wide for a child's pose. But then if you have wider hips, you have to be careful of like overexerting like in your hip flexors. And so I was like, it, and it's just fascinating to me. It's just so unreal just the stuff that you learn and I think too I'm just a lifelong learner I just yeah. as long as I can keep learning I'm happy pretty much <laughs> exactly. do you think you're gonna offer like yoga classes at your studio I would like to yeah I, it might not be this this coming year mm-hmm. um because like like I said I'm in the first year of business right now with still, stuff yeah. still kind of getting my groove trying to mm-hmm. figure out our routine a little bit but I would love to especially like during the summer like start offering yoga classes because oh, because really cool. I just I just love it I just I'm I'm a nerd for movement mm-hmm. anything movement related I just I love it and I think that's where especially with theater I loved acting movement too so have you ever like taught different. or done like the dance of death with anything 
oh my gosh, no, but I should totally do that. I didn't even think about that. That's what I did all throughout COVID was just that like, if I couldn't go to the gym, that's what I would do. And it's just, it's a great thing to do. Like right when you wake up. It just opens you up. For those who don't know, like, so the, <laughs> the, the dance of death is this thing we learned in movement class or at uh, Murray State. And I it's still like, remember the arm thing. The arm thing? Oh my God. <laughs> it's like five phases and it works out like every part of the body. There's like yoga, there's like ballet, there's push-ups, there's mm-hmm. sit-ups. I always skip the sit-ups. See, I, I would always skip the push-ups because I hated the push-ups. Oh, no. Because all my strength is up here. Yeah. It's nowhere really. So I would do the push-ups and that'd be great. But once I got to the sit-ups, I have no core. Yeah. So I was like this... I, this is terrible, but I always tell myself I'm gonna I'm gonna lose a little bit more weight, then I'll work on core. Yeah. I gotta get rid of some of the outer shell. Um, but I was wondering, I was like, I was like, I wonder if she still does like the dance of death. Or oh anything. my gosh, I should totally do that though. That'd be great for like my stretch and conditioning classes because yeah. I have my own like warm up that I do, and it's mm-hmm. it's intense. Like just it's intense. I have people that come in that are like, I want to hop into it. And then they're huffing and puffing and dripping and sweat 10 oh. minutes. And they're like, we can't do the rest of this. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think a really intense warm up is daunting at first. Yeah. But later, like once you, you, you can do the, once you can do the dance of death without like yeah. collapsing, yeah. it's really just useful. And it's yeah. also quick. Yes. Like I can do it, you know, probably when I start my job, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get up early enough to throw in the dance of death before yeah. I get like ready to go to the office. Yeah. Cause it's just like, it Cause just what makes it long. Yeah. Well, and what makes it long is like when you're first learning the dance of death too. Like, yeah. cause there's, when you really break it down, there's a lot that goes into it. But then mm-hmm. once you know it and it's like muscle memory, it takes like not even 15, 20 minutes to do yeah. Yeah. super fast and effective. Mm-hmm. And I loved doing the dance of death and it was always, great because especially when we got to the ballet portion I was like oh yeah this is where I shine this is my groove I got this part and then we'd get to the push-ups and I'd be like oh crap here we go (laughs) everybody's got a phase they hate everybody's got a phase they love it's kind of funny I ended up teaching uh, during COVID I kind of I guess got kind of bored but I would try I'd be like trying to teach it to my mom and dad yeah and you know my mom has a gymnastics background and she was a cheerleader and stuff so I expected her to be like oh yeah let's do it yeah and she'd always tell me she's like yeah we'll do it tomorrow and then the next day be like yeah I don't feel like it (laughs) so we just never kind of got around to it but the funny thing is I I taught my dad and he's like taller and lankier and less coordinated than me like he used to play sports and stuff but he's gotten like less coordinated with age I guess (laughs) but um it was just really funny to watch him like do the like the ballet yes (laughs) we just like do it in my living room and he'd he'd just finish it and he'd be like almost like agitated because he's like so out of breath and he'd be like I'm like, you want to do it again tomorrow? And he's like, I guess. Yeah. But it was, oh, I love, I love teaching it to people yes. too because it's such a, it's one of those things where it's like, you feel like you have this really fun secret and you just yeah. want to share it with people. Yes. Like the dance of death is just so fun to do. I was so glad when Matt sent yeah. me the video uh, and I still do it like yeah. as much. I haven't done it in like two, three months, but yeah. like, I'm definitely going to get back into it. And those first two weeks are going to suck. Yeah. But absolutely. after that, once it becomes really comfortable, yes. it's like, oh, this is, it's like this and a cup of coffee and maybe a biscuit. <laughs> morning ready yes so but anyway thank you so much for coming on Cassie I really appreciate it thank you so much for inviting me I was so excited when you asked and I've I've been listening to your podcast and I love it and I just I'm so proud of you how far you've come with it just seeing you grow because I remember freshman forest he was terrified of me at first during crazy for you (laughs) I was and now you're a good buddy and it's all great it's been great thank you Cassidy thanks